This is Big Sky Lead, a dive into the stories about how government and politics drive the direction of Montana. This podcast is from the reporters of the Montana State News Bureau in Helena, your eyes and ears on state government. It's produced by me, Tom Bridge. Our team brings you an examination of Montana's new landscape with new laws, a new governor, and a new Republican dominance across all of state government. I'm here today with uh, Montana State News Bureau Chief Holly Michaels, who broke a story Monday night uh, about what hospital officials are called a threatening exchange um, with their providers and Montana Attorney General Austin Knutson over the care of one of their patients. Holly, why don't let's just start with a rundown on uh, what happened. Yeah, so we got a tip last week on Friday from someone who had um, information about this incident that happened in the hospital and that sent us down all the things that we do to try to confirm this sort of thing. Um, So we had heard that there was an incident at the hospital where the attorney general and two at that point, I had just heard of one other elected official, but I found a third person was also involved. Um, had contacted doctors because a patient at the hospital had requested to be treated with ivermectin, mm-hmm. which is not approved for the treatment of COVID-19. And the patient and their family were pretty frustrated about it and had what we were told was contacted the attorney general's office who then got involved was on the phone with a hospital board member, with doctors, um, making threats against these doctors um, and questioning their medical judgment. So we started working on that Friday, made contact with a couple more people with direct um, involvement and awareness of what happened and talked with the hospital a little bit. um, And they provided a statement that didn't exactly confirm what happened, Mm -hmm. sort of referenced something that maybe happened, but it wasn't very a clear confirmation. And we sent questions to the attorney general's office, but they just didn't respond. Um, By Monday, I went back and talked to a bunch of people. I spoke with Friday, talked to some more people, um, talked with the hospital again, and then they actually sent a statement confirming what had happened um, and went back to the attorney general's office and asked them for more just asked them to confirm that they got our questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they did and then sent back a statement and then wrote a story. And then for the next several hours was just gathering more information, talking more of the hospital, getting more statements from the AG, statements from the hospital in response. And that kind of went back and forth till about probably 9 o'clock. And then we had a story that was ready to go. Okay, so... I guess just to clarify for folks who maybe haven't read the story, there was a patient at St. Pete's Health in yep. Helena yeah, who was hospitalized for COVID-19 mm-hmm. and was requesting treatment uh, with ivermectin, yep. um, which has been kind of populating some groups as a treatment for COVID-19, although the FDA and, you know, the medical community has said that it's, you know, not effective in the treatment of COVID-19. This patient had connections to um, people who got the attorney general's office on the phone, correct? Yeah, so what, um, 
everyone I spoke with, and I spoke with people in a lot of different capacities, you know, as reporters, we talk to people off the record, on background, on the record. Right. One thing is nobody told me the patient's name, but there was a Facebook post with right. her name out, and we didn't put it in the story. Um, but she is someone who's involved in politics, so is connected to Republican politics specifically, right. so has those connections. Okay, and then, so... What happened? Did law enforcement come to the hospital or? So what what we were able to piece together is that the attorney general's office was contacted. They, in turn, had dispatched a trooper with Montana Highway Patrol to the hospital. That trooper took statements from people at the hospital and then called into the county attorney's office here. Is typically the one who would be the, like the one to bring charges if something right. happened that was criminal in this situation, so this trooper called in, it was after hours, about seven o'clock, so he called into this on-call line at the county attorney's office, right. got connected with the deputy county attorney and kind of relayed the information that this trooper had gathered. That deputy county attorney contacted Leo Gallagher, the county attorney for Lewis right. and Clark County, who looked at all the information, said, you know, there's, there's nothing here that warrants a criminal investigation or criminal charges. We're not doing anything with this. At that point, it ended from that perspective. Um, though in a statement, the Attorney General's office did say yesterday an investigation's ongoing. Right. They didn't really clarify what that was. Okay, so explain for people um, why the Highway Patrol, the Montana Highway Patrol, responded to the hospital yeah. in Helena and not perhaps the Helena Police, Police. Department. Yeah, this is an interesting piece of this for sure. Like when I first got this tip, I was told the day it happened. So I went through and looked at the calls for service report the Helena mm -hmm. Police Department sends out. And that captures calls to HPD and Lewis and Clark County Sheriff's Department. And there was nothing that matched with this, like the time and date, right. any of that. None of it matched in the address for the hospital because it has like addresses on. So I was looking right through all these, couldn't find anything. Found a couple that like maybe could have been it, but weren't the right dates, but figured I'd just call tell on a PD and they give you like a rundown if you give them the number of the report they'll tell you like what happened how officers respond if they're arrested any of that so I ran through a couple and the officers like you know these are not like one was a an issue at Chaudaire which is an address near the hospital right the other one was just a, a medical call and he's like I really I don't understand what you're looking for and I was like well here's what I was told just like told him the tip I got and he like very quickly knew what I was talking about. I was like, you know, that was nothing to do with us. That was all Montana Highway Patrol. Right. It's like, okay, that's super helpful because now I can like ask the right person. So normally right. we can call Highway Patrol Dispatch and they'll just give us information about crashes or things they respond to. Really, you know, easy, quick, simple process. This one I called Highway Patrol said, you know, we have we don't have anything on this. We'll look around for you, see what we can find. So I gave him all the information I had. Got a call back from the dispatcher. He's like, you know, I think I found this. Um, and he had initially told me, you know, we we heard the call. Our colonel of the Montana Highway Patrol, Steve Lavin, called it into dispatch. We went down. But this guy at dispatch said HPD responded, which HPD has told me like several times, nope, we had no involvement. We didn't touch this at all. Because this all happened outside of the typical 911. Yep. You, you call 911, yep. they dispatch an yep. officer. Yep. So, so this was all happening internally at Department yep. of Justice, i.e. Montana yep. Highway Patrol. Yep. So 911 would like trigger showing up in that calls for service right. report. This never did. So hearing the colonel was involved, like you know, he's part of the Department of Justice structure, which is under the attorney general, which helped me sort of confirm the things I've been hearing about what was going on. 
So then Seaborn Larson, another reporter in the Bureau, huge out and talked to the sergeant for the district that includes mm-hmm. Helena yesterday. When you reach that sergeant, the sergeant's like, yeah, you got to go through the attorney general's office. We've been told that that's where information has to come from. And which, we, which is usually, which is outside of the norm. Yeah. Typically, you talk to those captains yeah. on, on the, the patrol captains, and they yeah. give you the down low on what their yeah. troopers did, totally. ran into, whatever. Yeah, but normally you can, like, get the trooper on the phone, right. and they'll talk to you. So that was a very unorthodox and not how that process goes. I did ask on Friday, I talked to the Helena Police Department Chief, Steve mm-hmm. Hagan, and asked him about jurisdiction because that was someone someone I talked to um, off the record and said, you know, I'm really curious about the jurisdiction here right. and why HPD wouldn't respond. And Hagan said, you know, that's, that's not something I'm going to get into. I'm not going to answer that. Um, right. You'd have to ask in the, he said MHP, but eventually the Attorney General's office. And a spokesperson for the AG's office was saying they have concurrent jurisdiction, which means like both agencies could respond. But there was actually a 911 call to the hospital Monday before this published that was related to this case, but it came in through 911 and HPD responded, which is like a much more normal response. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so how, I guess, yeah, as you explain the reporting process, you know, it all starts with a tip and then you make phone calls. How did you end up linking the actual attorney general to this? And, you know, how do we know that this went all the way up to Austin Knudsen's desk and not necessarily just, you know, lower down on the food chain at DOJ? Yeah. Um, so I had a group of people that either had like firsthand knowledge um, or were like either were part of this or adjacent to it as it was happening or had seen things that had documented pieces of this and they had all confirmed to me um, and my initial conversations with people you were not to be used in the story um, and then talked to some folks who were comfortable confirming the attorney general's uh, participation as an anonymous source mm-hmm. which we don't use like I don't think I've ever used anonymous sourcing and I you know, sometimes that might be the route to go, but I was really hoping that we didn't have to. So we just kept pressing the attorney general because the hospital, you know, their confirmation was three elected officials. Right. Um, and so we you know, asked the attorney general uh, Friday about their involvement as the office spokesperson and then reiterated, like sent those questions again Monday and then finally got a response from them. And they confirmed that the AG had gotten involved, that the office had dispatched the trooper, and that the AG had been on a call with hospital officials. So they finally just confirmed it, which is always the preferred option to have people just say, yep, that was us. So needless to say, this was pretty unorthodox uh, for having involvement all the way at the top of the Department of Justice, the Attorney General involved in matters at the Helena Hospital, which would typically go through, you know, a 911 dispatch, HPD would respond. So tell me, this isn't the only unorthodox approach that this attorney general in, you know, I think he's been in office less than a year. This is this is not the only unorthodox approach that he's taken. Tell me about other situations where there's been an unorthodox approach by the attorney general's office. Yeah, so the other major one is also something that happened in Helena. It's a man named Rodney Smith who, and I think this was back in November, it was in 2020, he went into a local restaurant. The employees there had asked him to wear a mask. The mm-hmm. state was under a statewide mask mandate at the time. 
Smith reacted pretty violently to that request. Um, I think he like threw a table that had glasses of water on it. I think he hit an employee in the genitals, like all this stuff. So the county attorney brought charges. And then um, we got a tip that the AG had gotten involved in that case. Mm-hmm. And so the case was getting ready to do like all the pretrial stuff. It was moving forward. And then there was paperwork that showed up that we found where an attorney with the attorney general's office had stepped in to be the attorney of record. So that's saying it's not the county attorney anymore. He's off the case. It's the state AG's office. And then there was paperwork filed saying that they were going to move toward a settlement outside of any sort of trial for this guy. So we reached out in the AG's office. You know, this is not something that we had seen before with previous Republican Attorney General Tim Fox. Um, reached out to the AG's office. They, the first thing they told us, and they reiterated this a couple times, is that the county attorney had requested they take over the case. And what we found out is that the AG's office was talking to the county attorney. They were trying to direct him on what charges to pursue, how to handle it. He finally hit a point where he's like, look, I can't in good faith like drop these charges you're asking me to. So yeah, take over the case. Right. So the way the AG's office portrayed it was like, well, yeah, he asked us, but didn't have the background of like, we pushed him until he asked us. Right. So that's still progressing. We haven't seen any like settlement or anything final on that, but it's something where if it's settled out of court, we really wouldn't see that settlement right. possibly. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that's something we really haven't seen with the AG's office before. Like, they have, you know, like for smaller counties where they just don't have, like, resources, if there's a big murder case, like, the AG's office will help out there. But, like, this type of case is something the hell in the Lewis and Clark County attorney could very much handle. Mm-hmm. Um, I was frustrated at not being able to. Um, and we and we asked at the time of that story, I was asking the AG spokesperson, like, is there a context I should know about this? And they weren't really forthcoming. And then you know, later reports were saying they're pointing to this law that got changed because one of the charges against this guy was related to a firearm he had. Right. And there was a law change in the most recent legislative session that would make what he did like, retroactively. It wouldn't have been illegal. The law is not retroactive, but they're saying, like, this would be fine now. So that was kind of how they're hinging their involvement on it, mm-hmm. but still just not something we've seen an AG really do before in this way. Right, right. So the other one, and Seaborn uh, Larson, he reported on this. I really kind of just watched it during the legislative session, but this was right after Knudsen took office. He got involved in a case that started under the previous administration of a Democratic governor against the Rock and Arbar in Bozeman. And that was also over COVID regulations. And I think if I remember right, it was the rocking hour was staying open later than they were supposed to. So Knudsen hopped in there and directed the Gallatin County attorney, Marty Lambert, to drop the charges. Right. Um, and Lambert was pretty aggressively like, nope, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And so there's a little bit of a standoff. And what eventually happened is just the public health rules changed right. to allow the bar to stay open. So they just sort of case kind of just went away right. after that but that was kind of the first instance of him like jumping in and getting engaged in this way that we haven't really seen haven't before seen. now am i just reading the tea leaves here or it does seem that these three incidents are pretty not necessarily politically motivated but have political undertones right um there's you know the ag stepping in in matters of you know these covid mandates that happened under a previous administration stepping in with this 
idea of patients' rights and, you know, using these experimental drugs that are trafficked in, you know, right-wing circles, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, things like that. Is there a, a political motive here? And I guess maybe that's too speculative for a reporter to to chime in on. Yeah, like, I, I definitely can't, like, speak to the attorney general's, like, motivations and why he's getting engaged. And they also, like, haven't, like, you know, in this case, they said, you know, we, this family was in distress. Um, they were saying that this person was being denied, you know, medicine that had been prescribed to them. That's something that, and there's a Facebook post that was sort of, trying to run down like the medical background of this stuff but it was you know, like we're not going to quote a facebook post on somebody's medical history right. but it's also like super common when you go in the hospital they don't let you have your medications like they prescribe them to you because they need to know what you're doing but like you know all these claims of just mistreatment that the hospital is very clearly disputed right. that they mistreated but you know so that's his reasoning for this um they weren't very clear with us about like the reason for jumping in on the Rodney Smith case, but later told other news outlets it was this legislation that had passed. Uh, you know, I think he had called the situation in Rocking R kind of an overreach situation. It is like, I mean, it's an elected office, and he's a Republican, and he's definitely, I'd say, on the more conservative spectrum of Republicans in Montana. And these actions definitely like fit with what people who are in that sort of lane would support, and I think like COVID for sure has really unfortunately like become politicized, like ivermectin, kind of all that stuff, um, has really just fallen along political lines for a bunch of reasons that are way beyond my capacity to articulate. But I think it is like, you know, political in that way. Um, Yeah, it's like, you know, I definitely can't speak to his motivations, but it is engaging in things that have been politicized. So do we have any idea if this is a departure from previous attorneys general? So what um, we tried, and this is something Seaborn's been working on a little bit, is um, there's a part of state code that looks like it says the office needs to keep a list of all of the cases it engages on in like this type of capacity where they're jumping into district court or something. And it's not something like their Bureau of Attorneys that would normally be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're trying to look at that. We're trying to see what that list looked like under past attorney generals to see how different it is. But these like high profile ones have not been things that have come up in, you know, I started this job under Tim Fox's administration um, and definitely didn't have those things happen there. And you know, maybe they didn't, we just didn't hear about them, but you know, people have been pretty vocal about this stuff. So Right, right. Yeah. Um, now, and, and as the Attorney General's office has taken these, uh, you know, unorthodox steps um, into um, more local, you know, judicial frameworks, um, how upfront are they with the press in communicating why, they, why the office is making these steps? Yeah, um, I mean, I think to start with, like, they're not publicizing that they're taking these actions like we're finding them through tips that people right. call in so you know with all like the officials like if they do something that they want coverage of like they are pretty aggressive right in making sure like you know we get press releases from yeah. the AG when they're you know though I've noticed like Knudsen has entered into a couple things that I haven't seen press releases on and maybe I'm just missing them but you know different federal lawsuits around abortion access or that kind of stuff like I've seen that in associated press reporting and not seen releases from them um, there have been, you know, actions that they've taken, like Knudsen has been really vocal in things around like 
critical race theory and the Biden mask mandate and saying like, hey, we're going to defend Montanans and we're going to step into this. So like they're really clear in their legal involvement with that kind of stuff. Um, you know, with this like, and this is not by any means like unique to this office specifically, but like, you know, we'll reach out. Um, for this one, I called, left voicemails, um, didn't get a response. Sent an email Friday, didn't get any response. Um, resent it Monday with like a, hey, can you just confirm you received this? And then got a response from the spokesperson just saying, yep, we got this. And then um, kind of asked like, can you give me a timeline for when you're gonna answer these questions? Cause it's been, you know, day and a half now. And then they sent back a statement, but it's, you know, I would say they're not the most like friendly conversations. And there should be, I think like an adversarial role between the press and public information officers. Um, and you know, they were responsive and I for sure, like very much forgot to ask like a critical question super late. Like I didn't ask like, does the attorney general dispute the characterization that his actions were threatening? Right. Which is a very dumb thing for me to forget to ask. Um, and one of our editors, Tom Kuglin, pointed out like, hey, yeah, and I was like, oh God. So, you know, I sent that question to them in an email. It was after six and they responded. So like they're, you know, engaging. Um, but it was like a little hostile because I had asked about the jurisdictional issue. And they wrote back saying like, well, are you just inferring jurisdiction or, you know, how are you getting this? I was like, well, I asked the Helena police chief in an interview and mm -hmm. he said, we have jurisdiction. So like, that's kind of the little, but it's definitely not like something they only do. Like right. other, other elected officials do it for sure. And it's like increasingly become a part of this job. Didn't really used to be. Um, you know, to me, it feels like there's campaign sides and like those kind of communication staff, like that's for sure much more hostile, whereas like public information officers, a lot of these people's titles, um, you know, they're state employees, they're, they're guardians of like public information that right. they have to share. And it just feels like those relationships are increasingly becoming more like the campaign side one. But to their right. credit, I mean, after poking, like they responded and they responded late and to like me asking questions I should have asked earlier and just, was too tied up in other stuff. So right. engaging for sure, but okay. it's sometimes a little terse. Right, right. Well, thanks, Holly. Um, is there anything, uh, are we looking towards anything on this story or? Yeah, um, so there's two more elected officials that the hospital said were threatening. Um, we're looking to get confirmation for those. Um, I've had a, a lot of different conversations with a lot of different people. So just trying to get things in a capacity that's like confirmed for that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious about, the Attorney General said yesterday, you know, the investigation is ongoing, what that might look like. Right. We, um, you know, generally there's like some sort of paperwork or report generated when a highway patrol trooper responds. We had asked for that and not seen that. Mm -hmm. um, I also heard that there was communications text message sent between the attorney general and the hospital. We had requested that. Um, I haven't really heard about that request. So right. kind of just pursuing all that stuff now. So there's still some rocks to turn over on this story. Yeah, I think so, for sure. All right, well, we'll look forward to the reporting. Um, that's been another episode of Big Sky Lead. If you want to make sure and uh, keep up with this news, uh, make sure to subscribe wherever podcasts are found. Thanks, Holly. Thanks, Tom.